Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Occasionally funny voices, too. Sometimes. If sometimes. You're lucky. Sometimes. <laughs> and today you're extra lucky. Sometimes. Um, what are you what? drinking? <laughs> Nothing. Not a darn thing. I'm drinking jet lag. That's what I'm drinking. Oh, yeah. You've been all over the place. Tom, tell them about all the pictures you sent me. Yeah. So this actually has a sword and laser connection because uh, I went to two weddings this month. One was in England, in uh, Suffolk, uh, in a little, little tiny town in Suffolk. Mm-hmm. And the other was in New York. And on both trips, I was traveling through books. So <laughs> I, I, the first one, the one when we were in London, uh, the, the the book we're reading right now uh, was all around me. Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter. Uh, I was on the subway or the tube, as they say, uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's Baker Street. And one of the one of the Baker Street stops, I think on one of the lines, I can't remember which, has like silhouettes of mm-hmm, Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the walls and everything. So I snap a picture of that. Uh, and then, of course, Marylebone is the next station on that line. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is where Alchemist's Daughter is taking place. I went down to the docks on the south side of the Thames. Wow. Uh, which I don't want to get spoilery, but that also is a location <laughs> where well, events this is of significance take place. Episode. Yeah, but I know some people... Wait skip, until the skip end, the wrap yeah. up. So we'll keep the spoilery parts to the end. Um, but yeah, everywhere I went, uh, Secret Case of the Alchemist's Daughter was popping up around me. Um, and then uh, when I was in New York, I made a point of going to the Dakota building uh, so I could get a little time and again feeling and and look around there. And I actually, actually went by Madison Square Park as well. Neat. You should put um, the picture you took in, in the show notes. I the, should. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. I have it in text too. If you don't, if you can't find I, it, well, no, I just it's, you know how hard it is sometimes to get a picture off your iPhone onto your laptop. Yes, yeah, so you have to like airdrop it to yourself. <laughs> I and know it's, like, it's silly, <sighs> um, but yes, I I I First think I can problems. do that. It's yeah, it's not it doesn't take long. It's just like uh, knowing. <laughs> well, I am drinking a rosé. Um, I had a very long French name that I did not co- commit to memory. Um, so I guess I'll be uh, on the, on the fun time train for this episode and Tom will just have to be the, the conductor. Do est que tu viens? What? Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> in French? Did you say that in French? <laughs> sort of. I think I've misconjugated the last verb. Okay. There was French. Uh, that would be, de donde eres tu? Ah, de donde eres tu? De donde eres tu? Where are you from? de Greenville. Estoy de Greenville. You, that's exactly how you would say it, right? Estoy <laughs> de Greenville. If you're from Greenville, that's how you say it. <laughs> All right. Let us jump into, I mean, now there's like Spanish speaking folks who are living in Illinois like, idiot. <laughs> so I apologize. 
Native Spanish speakers probably would not say estoy de there Greenville. There might be dos <laughs> speakers of Spanish in Greenville. Just saying. That Who aren't, knows? That aren't the local high school Spanish teacher. My apologies to them. <laughs> My uh, high school Spanish teacher's name was Sharon O'Boyle. Okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's jump into the quick burns. I'm just saying. Uh, Yes, Mark uh, posted that uh, good news for Chuck Wendig. Invasive, this is good news for us too, Invasive is in development for a CBS TV show, although because CBS just does things like this, it's not going to be called Invasive. It'll be called Unthinkable. Okay. But it's an FBI drama, Jerry Bruckheimer um is involved wait wait no i'm sorry yes yes no that's right um uh, it's from jerry bruckheimer television and macgyver executive producer david slack thank you yes and so uh yes and it's going to be uh written and executive produced by slack um and of course uh chuck wendig's uh it's based on invasive from 2016 this is about a, a brilliant futurist trained to see danger around every corner who's recruited by an uncharacteristically optimistic fbi agent to identify the threat that only she can see coming and stop them before it's too late yeah this is gonna be good i can't wait i'm so excited for chuck too it was super funny. So I went to go see um, Chuck and Fran Wild and uh, and um, and wait, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Um, Iron Druid Chronicles. Why? Uh, you're not. You're just. You literally are just looking at me and folding my arms like a horrible person. Oh my god! Now I you're mean, typing. I don't and know. Now, oh my god. What has Rose. he ever done for us? What He's kind of ama- Tullamore do lo- whiskey has he ever brought to, to us? Me? Why is this happening to me? He's my favorite. Oh, God. It's just getting worse. Please just say it. Please just say it. Kevin. No. Kevin. Kevin Hearn! <laughs> I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible friend. I'm I would, a bad what, journalist. What I would say, what I would say, Veronica, is that all that Tullamore Dew whiskey that he brought you had an effect. Apparently. Okay, so I saw all these three amazing people, yes. and I had this news had just broken that day. And so I go up to Chuck and I'm like, hey, congrats on the news. But as soon as I said it, I was like, oh my God, I forgot what the news was. <laughs> like I <laughs> like I knew what the news, like I knew there was news because it had and happened said, like that. Well, at least day. you remembered He's, my name. And he goes, and then he goes, <laughs> he goes, and congrats on your news. And I'm like, and I just smile and start nodding. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Fran goes, hey, yeah, 10 years of sword and laser. That's amazing. And I was like, oh, like that was also like that day. It was literally that day. And so that was so, yeah. So I'm apparently all this story should teach all of you is that Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. losing my memory at at an accelerated rate. Who are you again? Where am I? What are we doing right now? Um, So anyway, I'm sorry, Kevin Hearn. I've read all of your books. I'm a terrible person. I love you. You've been an amazing friend to the show. I don't know why I just brain farted all over your name. <laughs> Poor name. Just like brain farted, ev- explosive blank brain farts. <laughs> oh, gross. Just like That's disgusting. embarrassing levels. Like I really just should have stayed home from work. Anyway, that's that's where we're at. 
Okay. Uh, hey, Danielle reminded us that on October 19th, uh, Philip Pullman's La Belle Sauvage, The Book of Dust, was released. Yeah. The cover looks pretty cool. I'm excited about this one. I don't know much about it, though. I don't. I, I, I've actually been keeping myself from knowing too much about it. I know it is in a parallel timeline to the original three. Okay. Um, to his dark the, materials. It, there's gonna, yeah, there's mm-hmm. going to be a new trilogy, and it takes place along the same path, but with different characters. So we'll, we'll get some crossover with that story, apparently. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Tassie Dave says, uh, Roy Dotrice, uh, known here for his fantastic audiobook readings of A Song of Ice and, uh, ice and Fire, not Fice and Ire, mm. um, has died at the age of 94. Um, he was originally meant to play Grandmaster Picel in the TV series, but was too sick at the time. Uh, he did end up playing uh, Halleen, the pyromancer, in two episodes of season two. Halleen, H-A-L-L-Y-N-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that, too. And that was Kevin super cool. Hearn. You're the worst. (laughs) And I so deserve that. Uh, No, I mean, honestly, we have two uh, we have two uh, obituaries here at the Mm -hmm. at the end. Not a lot of news in this last fortnight, but uh, passing of Roy Detrice. I mean, age 94 lived a very full life. Uh, but but Amazing very sad voice actor. because yeah yeah I mean he is the voice of a song of ice and fire for so many of us. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think uh, he holds a record for like the most different voices done in narration too. Really? Because he's done so many different books. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, William also says the great Julian May sadly passed away on October the 17th, 2017. Uh, Miss May was inducted into the first Fandom Hall of Fame in a ceremony at the 73rd World Science Fiction Convention. Uh, Miss May was most famous as the author of the unique intervention, Galactic Milieu. Uh, Mil- Milo, Mil- Milieu. Milieu. No, We're off to a great start today. Uh, the Saga of the Exiles sequence of books. Uh, Miss May also collaborated on the Trillium series with Marion Zimmer Bradley and Andre Norton. On a personal note, her work moved me deeply and has led me to interest that, in a way, have shaped my life. I salute this deep-thinking maestro of the very eloquent page. Thank you, That's William. That's from William. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very sad to hear of that passing as well, uh, but, a, but a lovely tribute in the Quick Burns. Thank you, William, for that. All right, well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, We got this email from Mark B., who says, The last few months I've been getting into several lit RPG books on Audible. Most of these books are kind of sword and laser in nature. You have usually a fantasy environment viewed from the standpoint of some form of hyper-advanced VR players in an MMORPG game. Every series is different, as you have different game rules, needs to log off, interactions with the real world, uses of social media, flaws or hidden features in the game, etc. If you haven't looked into the genre, you might want to try it out. Oh, and by the way, he met us at several Dragon Con sessions. So oh, nice thanks. to re-meet Hi, Mark. you, Mark. Yeah. Very uh, cool. Also, Lit RPG, thank you for bringing this to our attention. I can't believe we haven't talked about it before now because these are these are I think this decade's pulp fiction. Uh, Ex- explain well, okay, so Pulp Fiction in the 40s and 50s was just crank them out as fast as you can. We don't really care how, whether they're good or not. And, of course, you have a lot that isn't good, but people just wanted space adventures, right? So mm-hmm. put put a, put a somebody in a spaceship and have them do things and we'll sell it. 
And of course, out of that, you get people like Philip K. Dick, right? And or even Arthur C. Clarke uh, sort of, you know, skimmed the top uh, of that as well. You have all these amazing authors come out of that. Uh, I, I went and looked this up as soon as I saw Mark's email. There's an article from The Verge a couple years ago of someone just trashing the genre, saying lit RPG, they're bad stories, badly written, but I can't stop reading them. <laughs> and there's something about the fact that in these stories, everyone is playing an MMO and they're leveling up and it's satisfying to people who've played MMOs who are like, have always been frustrated by the pace of leveling. Mm-hmm. And so through the book, they get this vicarious boost like oh he leveled so fast (laughs) (laughs) at least that was what this verge article was about so anyway i think there's probably like some gems there's probably some amazing stories out there but audible is filled with these things apparently really yeah yeah this is not something i know anything about and i'm surprised it hasn't even been like like highlighted for me in Mm -hmm. audible because I spend a lot of time in Audible, I would imagine that the algorithm would know that maybe this would be something I would be interested in. Perhaps. I'm fascinated by this now. So, so big thanks to Mark for, for sending this in. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, I'll read the next one. This one comes from over on Goodreads. It's about science fiction horror stories. Rachel says, since it's the month of October, I was looking for recommendations of some science fiction books with horror elements. That's funny, because so was I. There are two of my favorite genres, and I love seeing them come together. I just read the Tor.com novella, The Ghost Line, by Andrew Neil Gray and J.S. Herbison, uh, which is basically a haunted house story set on a spaceship. Any suggestions for more creepy SFF? Now, this is how we kind of got, this is Veronica talking, this is kind of how we got back to uh, the the Alchemist Daughter, because that's what I, I tweeted about. I was like, oh, I want something that's kind of like spooky fantasy-ish, you know, something that kind of crosses yeah. those two like genres for October. Exactly. Have you seen, okay, sidebar, have you seen the Venn diagram of uh, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah? The Venn diagram? I don't think yes. so, no. It's, <laughs> it's, I'll show it to you. It, or if you Google Venn diagram Werewolf Bar Mitzvah, hopefully it'll come up. Um, now I have to check too. Werewolf bar mitzvah, spooky, spooky? Scary. scary. Yeah, it's it's yeah. That's kind of how it goes, but it's like a multiple. It's like three different circles. Oh, uh, wait a minute, that's not it. This is I'll starting to sound familiar. It. Oh yes. Oh, I so think it's a second. It's spooky, it's, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolves, and then they intersect at werewolf bar mitzvah. That's right. That's right. And then there's, oh, here it is. Yeah, it's spooky. Okay. So it's spooky scary is one circle. Boys becoming men is another circle. Men becoming wolves is the bottom circle. Yes. Spooky scary crossover is the Wolf of Wall Street with uh, men becoming wolves. Men becoming wolves crossover with boys becoming men is Teen Wolf. Yes. (laughs) Spooky scary with boys becoming men is puberty. (laughs) And the, 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 the collective combination is werewolf bar mitzvah so there and, you go and and genius um amazing but not a book not a book so does it answer rachel's question is what i'm trying to say 
No, but Brian says, Lovecraft has a few sci-fi horror shorts like Cool Air. Many forget that sci-fi was a big part of his work. And to be selfish, my sci-fi book, Shift, has horror, atmospheric, and occasionally gruesome elements to it, and is 99 cents on Kindle until Saturday. Ah, but- <laughs> nice, nice little plug there. But definitely look into some of H.P. Lovecraft's shorts, he goes on. Uh, Louise posted that Adam Christopher has a sci-fi series called Spider Wars that definitely has horror elements. The first book is The Burning Dark. Uh, There's also a novella Cold War on Tor.com set in the same universe. And Trike says that, of course, the granddaddy of the entire genre is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, He would also add The Island of Dr. Moreau and I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. Um, A.E. Van Vogt's uh, The Voyage of the Space Beagle is pretty much Alien, written 40 years earlier. And now that I think on it, lots of classic SF has edges into horror. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Day of the Triffids, The Midwitch Cuckoos. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things and a lot of old-timey things and a lot of things that tie into our book. I think William has a really good list here. Uh, Chalky by John Wyndham. Blind Sight by Peter Watts, which mm-hmm, we've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyclone by Greg Bear. That's spelled P-S-Y-C-H-L-O-N-E. Uh, and even Embassy Town by China Mieville. Oh, yeah. I would probably put not just Embassy Town, but most of China Mieville's. Uh, Perdido Street Station, for example, uh, is another one that was definitely maybe not super sci-fi, actually. Maybe more. Oh, how do you describe that book? I guess maybe a little more fantasy-ish, creepy horror, Yeah, um, I would say. yeah. And Michelle points out Annihilation by Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. That's Definitely got a creep factor to it, for sure. Totally, totally, totally. All right, well, should we talk about, uh, before we talk about our creepy book pick of the October month, (laughs) we are going to talk about our next month's pick that Tom selected, Tom. Yeah, I uh, mentioned last episode that I wanted to pick a book by Connie Wills. Uh, She had been on my short list of people to pick for a long time, and then someone nudged me and said, hey, what about Connie Willis? Why haven't you picked her? And I said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I was gonna. I was just about to do that, Uh, and so I did. Uh, So we did a a four-book poll on Patreon, and let me tell you, I read up on this before I picked the poll. People people think that I don't think about things ahead of time, but I really do. I read up on this, and people very widely said, you can read her books out of order. Yes, they're in the same universe, but they're not cliffhanger series where if you read them out of order, you're, you're throwing everything a whack. So I put three books from the same series because they all won Hugo's in there, and then I put a different one in there to kind of level it out. And a lot of people... We're very upset that we were voting on, <laughs> on on books that weren't the first, but that's why we do a vote so you can win, uh, and you won. Doomsday Book by Connie Willis is the uh, is the book that we're going to pick uh, this next month, and it is the first in the series. So everybody wins because it's a great book. It's Hugo winner, and you won't have to risk being out of order if you're obsessive compulsive. And there was another book that, uh, so we had our Sword and Laser local meetup last night and Michelle was there and Michelle was laughing because it was her first time at book club, by the way, welcome to in-person book club. And she was noting, I can't believe Tom put up such and such book because it is like basically 
like an unbelievably long book that was so long that they actually split into two books. Oh yeah. No, it is. It actually won a Hugo award as two books, which is why I put it up as one element. Which one? The one we're reading? Black Blackout. Yeah, that one. And I was like, oh, thank God he didn't, that one didn't get picked. (laughs) Well, I, I don't think it's fair to not consider a book because it's long. I know, but we have we have lives too. So it's, sometimes it's just nice to not. <laughs> well, and again, worry. like we we did one Q eighty four that burned my butt a little bit. And we haven't had a, a seriously long book like that in a long time. And if we never if we never allowed ourselves to read long books, we'd be you know knocking out some really good stuff. So I I don't I don't ever consider that when I'm when I'm creating polls and stuff. But people do when they vote. And so it didn't win. Yeah, a lot of people were upset because they're like, those are two different books. I'm like, yeah, but they actually want a Hugo as one book. So mm-hmm. that's why I put them in as one. And I really do think about this stuff ahead of time. I do. I believe you. I believe you. you. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I have also never read any Connie Willis, so I'm excited. Good yeah, times. I'm excited too. Um, and I've actually already started uh, ah. because I had so much travel and it's really good. Okay, I was, good. I was I really wanted to read the one about the dog because it had dog in the title. Was but it a sad can. dog? Is it a sad dog story? No. I don't know. No, it's I don't just know, a, it's part of it. the same it's actually the next one after Doomsday Book. Well, I'll have to look it up on does the dog die in the end dot com. Um it might not even have a dog in it. <laughs> this is this is getting worse and worse every minute. This one from like a book that might have the dog. The name of the book is to say nothing of the dog to say nothing of the dog. Okay. So I don't think it's about a dog. Okay. Blackout all clear. I always forget all clear blackout all clear always listed as one book. It is very long. (laughs) Anyway, doomsday book. I haven't, we haven't said anything about what this book's about. It is the Oxford time travelers. These are time traveling historians. And so the whole setup is that historians are observing the past by traveling to it, but the physics of time travel are such that you can never travel to a point where you could change something. So Mm. certain points in time you just can't go to. So you just have to be useless in time travel? uh, Well, no. Well, you you can't change the past. You can't can't risk changing events. Uh, So you just have to go as an observer. And it won't let you go anywhere where you could change the past. Also... If you're trying to get somewhere and you might change the past, if you went there, they'll do what's called slippage, where it's like, oh, you end up going like four hours later or maybe a few hours earlier. Mm. Okay. All right. Don't want slippage. And so this, uh, the main character in Doomsday Book uh, is headed to medieval England in the 1300s uh, to observe things there. And there's a little controversy over it because... This is the first trip for the medieval chapter of the time traveling historians. And the person running that is sort of really, you know, taking some shortcuts because they really want to get going with this first expedition. Mm-hmm. And they're borrowing some people from the 20th century chapter. And the 20th century chapter's leader is a little upset that corners are getting cut. Kind of sounds like a little bit of bureaucracy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there's a parallel. nothing better than space bureaucracy or time travel. <laughs> I mean, the bureaucracy Why doesn't do you always have... pick time travel books. I don't. I picked you don't? Connie Willis. The people picked this. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying there's a lot of Tom time travel books. 
I, I I would like to see Tassie Dave break down the numbers on that. Okay. I think he will probably do that. I mean, you I mean, won't you have any time, time travel, travel books book. because you pick fantasy, and that's just not it. Well, but time travel isn't always sci-fi related. I mean, there's like the time traveler's wife. Like, that's kind of time travel. Why don't you pick time travel books then? Because you pick all of them. No, I didn't because pick Outlander. We've, we've read all of them. We haven't read Outlander. Yes, we Or the time traveler's did. wife. Didn't we read Outlander? I mean, nope. that was vaginal fantasy. Yep. Do you want to read Outlander? I'm that's watching also, stars. That's also long. It's really good. That's a really long book. I'm really good watching te- television. We got a uh, we got a connection there. We could probably make an interview happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, huh? Huh? <laughs> a connection where? With Diana Gabaldon. Oh yeah. No, I'm uh, that that would be great. I thought you meant at the TV show. No, not at the TV show. Though I would love to interview the actors. That'd be fun. Yeah. Which actors would you want to interview? I don't know, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> handsome. Claire, what about Randall? she's pretty. You want to interview Randall? No. <laughs> or Edmure Tully, as I Ugh. think of him still. Ugh. I want to interview um, Mick Dervish. <laughs> McTavish? Mick. Huh? Dougal. 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 Um, <laughs> Dougal was also in Creed. The band? No, the movie. <laughs> 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 that would be crazy if he was in both Creed the movie and Creed the band. Can you make me Scottish? Yes. <laughs> Did I do a good imitation? <laughs> it was a fine imitation. Thank you. You kind of sounded like a pirate. <laughs> <Arr>. <laughs> My name is Kevin Hurd. Oh, Kevin. He's such a dear, sweet man. Oh, I feel awful. And you'll Don't never forget him. his name again. Never. I never have before. I never have before. He's one of my favorite authors. Oh. And in fact, I even took a picture of two Irish wolfhounds I saw yesterday to send what, to him. What's the name of the Irish wolfhound? Oberon. Yeah, see? Boom. Like that. Not a problem. I love Irish wolfhounds. I saw two of them out in the wild, and I took photos specifically to send to Kevin Hearn. <laughs> and you sat down to send them, and you're like, like wait, who, who am I sending these to? Who, who likes the wolfhounds? Anyway. Anyway, Doomsday Book. It's going to be fun. Book briefing is up on Patreon if you're supporting us at the $5 right episode level or more. Uh, and uh, we'll start reading it on November 1st. But, of course, everybody can start early. One more anecdote about the book meetup. Um, before Fran said hi to me, um, we were I had gotten in line with everyone to get the book signed, but I just got in line to say hello. And, um, <laughs> like, I was talking to, to Chuck, and he must have said something about me or Sword and Laser. And then she looks out over the audience, and she goes, Yeah! Veronica Belmont's supposed to be here. She better not chicken out. She better show her face. And I'm like, hi, I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) She is like, oh my God. (laughs) I just thought that was really funny because she was like being real pretend aggro about it. And she's so sweet. Right here. It's like, hi. (laughs) Don't beat me up. Please don't Um, hurt me. She was really great. She she moderated the whole discussion too. Oh, cool. uh, and uh, they had they had some great stories about 
you know, book writing stuff. And, and there was a huge crowd. It was, it was a really fun event over at Borderlands. Well, now let's wrap up real fast. The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter uh, by Theodora Goss. Um, wow, this was more polarizing than I expected it to be, actually, in our forums. Um, I I loved the book. I thought it was really a lot of fun. I listened. I did not listen to the audiobook. I read the hardcover version. Um, so there were some... I think some people had some issue with the sidebars, um, with the conversations happening during the writing of the book from Catherine's perspective. And I didn't, it didn't bother me in, in text at all. Uh, but you listened to the audiobook, right? Yeah. And it is definitely a challenge in the audiobook mm. uh, to, to get yourself into the habit of expecting those. Gotcha. So the first few times it happened, it did distract me and it did throw me off. And if you're the kind of person who does not want to be distracted, challenged, or adapt yourself to a new way of writing, then yeah, you're not okay. going to like this. That's not super fair. I think that some people just found it like brought them out of the story a little bit too much, which well, I, I, wasn't I can trying understand. To be, I wasn't trying to be unfair. I'm just saying like, if you're like, no, no, I don't want to have to adapt my way of listening. You know, mm. this is not okay. Then yeah, this is not going to be for you. I can definitely respect it being a lot more challenging uh, as an audiobook listener than as a reader, um, as a text reader. So that that I that was not something I'd considered, and I I totally respect that opinion. I I don't know if it would have diminished it enough for me to not continue reading it. Um, but some people just felt like the story didn't pick up too much, and and others said it was much more of a character story, um, which I agree with. But we can we can dig more into that. So now that you're able to talk fully about the the book experience, um, what 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 did you love about it, or what did you not like? I actually came to really love those sidebars. Like once I once I put myself in the position of expecting them and understanding them and knowing, like okay, this is going to be little side conversations. Mm -hmm. They added so much because you get to know these characters. In some cases before you really meet them in the story. Oh, yeah. Uh, so much better than you would have otherwise to the point where by the end of the book, I was actually going, oh, I know what I know what she's going to say about this little, you know, about mm -hmm. this section. Uh, the story, the main story itself, I just found absolutely delightful. Uh, I I loved how elegantly she was able to bring these characters together and maintain a very different personality for all of them. Yeah. And make me believe that. That was actually a cat that turned into a human, <laughs> yes. you know. It was a puma uh, lady, and 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 this is what a puma that became a human would act like, and would be not entirely trustworthy. I, and the thing I was most worried about was uh, the Frankenstein uh, element of it, and and how that would be treated. Because I'm a big fan of Mary Shelley and Frankenstein, and from the book jacket cover, you get the feeling that you know, and and early on in the book, even they kind of diss Mary Shelley, and I'm like, where are you going with this? Uh, but I thought that. That ended up being maybe my least favorite part of the story, but certainly handled uh, in a way that made sense. Well, I think they're saving more for later for that, mm -hmm. too. I think that was definitely like a peek into what might happen in the next book. Um, but yeah, speaking of the sidebars, Adam says, I love the premise of the book, the seeking to answer why all the Victorian mad scientists never made a woman monster. This book is a fun-filled adventure story, and all the famous monster names are included, such as Van Helsing, Jekyll, Hyde, Frankenstein, among others. It's like kept, a little treasure hunt. Yeah. What kept this book from being great instead of just fun was the character sidebars 
is taking place constantly throughout the chapters. Normally, these do not bother me, but for whatever reason, I found these sidebars annoying and distracting for most of the book and only in the last few chapters came to accept, if not still like them. This just me? So there was a lot, there was a lot of a, there was some agreement on that, but most people f- did not find them too terribly disruptive. I think it was just a matter of taste. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, if you're just like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to deal with that. Then, then yeah, it's th- that's not going to work for you. But I, I, you know, I think it's a really look when somebody takes a chance like that and is like, I'm going to mess with storytelling. Storytelling has been proven over centuries and centuries, but I'm going to mess with how it how it happens and try something. Um, it's it's going to piss some people off. Oh, my God. So Chris did a drawing of one of the current book picks um, and he did all the characters and they're amazing. You mean one, when you say one of the current book picks, you mean I'm this sorry. One? Yes. He said he started po- it's, his post is it's been a while since I posted a drawing from one of the current book picks, maybe since we read Tagana. But I'm halfway through the strange case of the alchemist daughter. and I couldn't help but do a little sketch of the characters. Be warned, I might not have listened too closely when they did all the character descriptions. <laughs> also, I don't really know too much about the period clothing, so don't look too closely. Yeah, I think yeah. he did really. I think they're really pretty great. I can I can tell exactly who's who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Poole, there's Diana, there's Justine. Um, so I'll I'll put that in the in the in the or put that Tom, put that in the blog post as well, won't you? Well, won't you be, be alive this and, and thread, put that the link to this thread will be in there. Well put the you... po- put the picture in the blog post. Put it in the blog post. I'll do it. Fine. I'll do We're it. Don't have, worry about it. The whole thing's gonna be just pictures now. So so what? Nobody looks at the blog post anyway. Who cares? That's true. Make Nobody ever reads it. I'm not even going to bother reads it. doing Just it. Just don't even do it anymore. <laughs> so why do we even bother? Uh, oh, wait. There. I put it there. You got it? Right. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, and then we had another thread about the uh, the, uh, the ending. Uh, Ruth says, I was really enjoying this book, aside from the awful interruptions, which I found just as annoying as Catherine described them, uh, right up until the story ended, but then didn't end. The story of the murders was wrapped up rather hastily after a fun buildup, but then the book kept going. I felt like all I was doing reading up to was reading set up for the second book, which ironically convinced me not to bother with the second book. I don't think it's out yet. I think the book I wanted to read and enjoyed reading ended with the final confrontation. The rest was for people looking for something different from this book. I shouldn't be angry since I still got a story I enjoyed, but all the same, I found it rather irksome. I thought the climax scene of the fire, you know, down at the docks and with, you know, Adam and and all that stuff going on. I found that to be a really great climax. This is Veronica speaking again. Um, And I did think that the, like, going into Justine's story then at that point did feel a little bit like a pacing issue to me. Hmm. Um, But I didn't, it didn't bother me. I mean, okay, look, (laughs) I'm, I'm, everybody's, these days is able to find something wrong with everything, uh, which, which can be tiring, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. Uh, it just means you didn't like it. And so I, I think there's a difference between saying this is bad, which is not, I don't think what this person is saying. I don't think that's what Ruth's saying. Um, but I think a lot of people want to pile on and say, yeah, that was wrong or was bad. 
I think Theodore Agass decided to write the story in a different way. And this isn't even a new way. Uh, the, the, side, the side conversations, that's a risk. That's a risky thing to try. This is actually an established way of writing stories with a longer denouement or even an epilogue uh, where, where if you're really enjoying the world and the story, you get a little more. And that's the way I felt about it was like, oh, okay. So I guess we're going to keep going with the story, but that's kind of cool. Cause you know mm-hmm. what? I like, I, I didn't want to leave yet. You know, I didn't want to get kicked out of the bar. So I'm fun with that. If you're like, nope, I like my stories to be tightened and, and written up then. Yeah. This is just going to feel like extra stuff throwing mm-hmm. on and, and it, and it doesn't, fit or and it's not necessary to the main story i don't know if i'd call it a pacing issue because i think it was done intentionally mm-hmm. um I, I don't think it was it was something i think of pacing issues being something where if the author would have noticed it maybe they would have fixed it and i and i think she intentionally said we're wrapping up the murders but now i want to give you a little more of this world to hopefully intrigue you and entertain you enough to want to stay in it and keep reading more. And it didn't work for Ruth. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't think about it at the time. So this is probably also me just noticing it after the fact or overthinking it after the fact, I guess. But I loved the book. I really did. Yeah, I really enjoyed too. it. I thought it was really fun. I can't wait for the next one. I'll definitely read it. So, so there. Guys. I definitely, I definitely <laughs> thought about it when she, when the murders were wrapped, and I was like, "Hey, there, there's still a ways to go. Uh, you know, what else mm-hmm. are we going to get?" And and to me, it was a bonus. It was it was like extra innings baseball, you know. And yeah, yeah. Some people, some people in extra innings, they're like, "I just wanted it to end in nine. I don't want, I don't want more baseball." <laughs> and I get that. Um, I had another comment uh, that I was going to talk about that stood out to me. I, I'm sorry, I lost the the thread where I was reading it earlier and I was about to respond to it, actually. I was in the process of responding, but I'll just do it on the show instead. Right. Um, someone said that like they thought that that Holmes was like unnecessary in the story, that he like the having Holmes there didn't really add anything to the tale, that it was just like kind of superfluous and 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 like they could have done everything that he did with them. He, they didn't need him there. And I just a hundred percent disagree with that. And the reason I disagree with that is because this was Victorian era England. And like, if three of these women were out walking at night without escorts, for example, mm-hmm. like they would not escape unnoticed. Like it, I mean, Sherlock and, and, and Dr. Watson were essentially like vehicles for them to do this. Like they facilitated them being able to, to get all this done just because of the time that they lived in. I mean, they gave them, they gave, they gave Mary money. Like when she couldn't like afford the train, she wouldn't have been able to get out there to do that research. Like they were just very, they were a very convenient vehicle for them to get a lot of stuff done that would have taken them a much longer time or been very difficult as young women in Victorian era England, you know, a lot of that would have been even more difficult or, or impossible. Yeah. I mean, you can make you can make the argument that like, well, Hey, this isn't supposed to be realistic because it's got Frankenstein and, and, you know, Puma lady and stuff, yeah. but there, there is, you know, she made Theodora Goss made a choice to say we're setting it in Victorian England. It's an alternative one, but in most respects, 
It is like ours was. It still has the same social mores. It's still except like. Except for a couple of things, like, for instance, Sherlock Holmes being real, <laughs> right? Yeah, yes. Uh, and Wait, and I, th- I, I think you've actually. Uh, I, I think you've actually said it quite well, which is you don't have to like that the era was like that, but it's not wrong for her to choose to say, no, I'm going to I'm going to have them exist in the mores and challenges of that mm-hmm. era and try to overcome them. I think that makes the story stronger. And I honestly think they recognize that at the time. I mean, Sherlock recognizes it. Yeah, Mary yeah. recognizes it and uses it to her advantage. If anything, the fact that they recognize it is probably harder to believe because a <laughs> yeah. lot of people didn't think that way. And Sherlock Holmes might not have really thought that way. So I, I, I love, I still, I mean, one of the reasons I picked this book was because I'm such a Holmes fan. Well, yeah, also it's Sherlock Holmes. How can you yeah. not like having it? I, mean, I know it was just, it just made me happy. And he wasn't, he wasn't like his worst self in this book. He was actually maybe even a little nicer than I, I tend to, to think of him. Mm-hmm. Um, even from yeah. the Conan Doyle books, like he's always been a gentleman. He's always been very, you know, courteous, uh, to most people, yeah, he for the most starts part. more more homesy when we first meet him because mm-hmm. isn't he shooting the wall? Yeah, and then he yeah. like warms up. Yeah, and he's he's actually very good to Mary, and and then someone at book club was like, "Well, is she is she going to be Watson's Mary? Like, is that going to be where this goes, mm. or is?" But I don't think so. That's an interesting thought, though. I mean, she is named Mary. She couldn't. She might have not been named Mary. He yeah, but he's super into Beatrice. And I think Watson's into For Beatrice. Now, and you know. Holmes may be into Mary. We'll see. Yeah, well, Holmes is definitely into Mary. Like You think so? Oh, yeah. He doesn't offer her that position otherwise. Come on. Well, maybe he knows she needs it. He's just he being does, practical. He also needs it. Logic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I mean, all of her, all of her sisters, quote unquote sisters, are saying the same thing. They're like, "Oh, we know why you got this. Why he offered that? Come on." Oh, all right, all right. Maybe I'm just being naive. What You're can being I Mary, say? Because Mary is also like, "No, it's not because of that." I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a Mary. What can I say? Just, <laughs> I'm a Mary Sue. Um, no, I'm not. You're so not a Mary Sue. That's not what that means. That's not what I am. I'm just tired. Well, I think that about wraps it up. But thank you guys. I know, I know, I know that we always have differing opinions. That's what makes being in a book club great is everybody, we try to read things. Not everyone's going to love it all the time, but you learn something and you have some good conversations and that's what we're here for. Absolutely. And by the way, we are also here for you guys, our patrons, and you can help support the show by visiting Sword and Laser at Patreon at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Did you like that? Mm. Did you like that? Was good, right? Well, no, except it was for that, I, I I literally wrote in people's names for you to thank. I was going to get in. I was, thought you were going to jump in there, but no, we will the, thank. I, I, well, I mean, you've never done it this way, so I got no, confused. No, I, I, I wrote it so that you it would all be one for you, it would be but seamless. I'm not, but I'm but a creature would, of no habit. No one would even know and, that I had written it. But I'm a creature of habit, and I always just like I I, I expect patterns. I have ways of doing things. Which is why you changed the pattern and didn't read this time. Because <laughs> I got confused. Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons <laughs> like Logan, Carmen, and Gregory. Thank you to all the folks who support our show. And if you want to learn more, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. 
Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can email us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call 415-7SWORD6. Bye. Bye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.